thank you for tuning in to Saturday Conversations. My name is Edward Akiyemi, and I'm so grateful you have decided to listen to Saturday Conversations. Every Saturday, I have conversations with different believers of Jesus. We discuss about their faith walk and the wisdom they have gained through this journey called life. If you step back, you say, what have those things done for me? Um, we're talking about how worship is glorifying God because he has done all these things for us, brought blessing into our life, victory in situations where, um, you know, we were having a difficult time. And if we get bogged down in the system and we get lost in all the things that you were talking about, the production of everything, how cool stuff is, um, even getting lost in like relationships, even though we're supposed to be in community, if all those things are distracting us, you have to step back and say, ultimately, and like the ultimate, um, if you play out this thought process completely, it's like, have any of these things brought me salvation? Have any of these things brought me my everlasting relationship with God? I'm so excited to welcome you to episode 61 of Saturday Conversation. If you're watching on YouTube, do me a solid. Hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you don't miss a video. And to my Spotify and Apple podcast family, hit the follow button and rate this podcast five stars. With all that being said, happy Saturday. I can't wait for y'all to hear the conversation I had with Colin about our worship being our weapon. Without further ado, please tell me welcome to the conversation, Dr. Colin H. Hey, Colin, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. We're your busy schedule, my busy schedule. We're actually <laughs> able to have a conversation, so I'm glad to have you on uh, yeah. the channel. So before we go into the topic at hand, do you mind introducing yourself to people who don't know you? Yeah, so my name's Colin H. I am 28. Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, I was 28 when I moved here. I'm stuck uh, when I moved to Chicago. I am 30. I am... Uh, Wait, what happened to two years? <laughs> I'm like thinking about my life in Chicago. That's like my current self. And so I just defaulted to like the year that I moved here. So I'm 30. Um, I'm a third year internal medicine resident at Advocate Christ Medical Center in Oak Lawn. Um, about 30 minutes southwest of downtown Chicago. Um, that's my day job. <laughs> and then um, I go to City Church. I am involved with the worship team, band coordination, leading, um, all of that. And that's what I do on the side for worship and enjoyment. That's awesome. So you you like to worship. Absolutely. So I'm glad to have you on because, you know, the topic we're talking about is worship is our weapon. Yeah. So if you didn't know now, you know, we talk about a, with a worship leader that worship is our weapon. 
So what I realized, Colin, is that in this life, we'll have troubles, we will have messes, we'll have dysfunction, and the list goes on and on and on. But what I realized in my walk with Jesus is it, it doesn't matter about the mess. It matters how we respond to the mess that happens. Our response is our, responsibi our responsibility. We cannot determine what happens to us, but we can determine how we respond to it. If you look in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison for no reason at all. And the response could have been anything. They could have been complaining. They could have been grumbling. But what did they do? They decided to pray and worship. So let us imitate that action with everything we do. Whatever we're going through, let us pray and let us worship because worship is our weapon. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 28 says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. So I'm so excited to have this uh, conversation with you, Colin. So my first question to you, before we get into the meat of it, my first question to you is, how was your upbringing? How was little Colin before he was 30? <laughs> <laughs> Not 28, but 30. Um, I So I grew up in Rockford, Illinois. Um, me my brother and my parents. Um, and church was a huge part of my life growing up. It kind of predominated everything. My grandpa was the lead pastor of our church. Growing up, my uncle was the worship pastor. My cousin was the youth pastor. Uh, and later on, the young married couples pastor. And now my mom is the head pastor. My brother and my dad are pastors there. So I'm actually unique in my family for not being a pastor. <laughs> um, so I grew Yet. up, yeah, <laughs> everyone keeps saying that, <laughs> um, but yeah, grew up in our church. I even went to our church's elementary school. So day in and day out, we were the church family. We we're at the church all the time. And I'm very appreciative for what, uh, what role that played in my life growing up. And then uh, as far as like music and worship go, I started learning how to play the piano when I was 12 and pretty much right away, uh, once our youth leader found out that I was learning how to play the piano, they kind of just threw me on stage and were like, here's a piano, <laughs> just play. And, uh, I was terrified. The first service at youth group that I played, I was like drenched in sweat and we got done with the service. And, uh, the like tech guy was like, oh yeah, we forgot to turn you turn you on in the sound system. <laughs> no. Yeah. I was like, part of me was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> no one heard me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was terrifying and exciting all at the same time. And uh, so, yeah, I was just very involved with my church. Every time something changed in my life outside of that, I always had my family in church and my church family to lean upon and that was just a really big part of my upbringing. Nice. So church all the time, did you always know you wanted to be a doctor or did that come uh, afterwards? That came afterwards. So that actually didn't come until I was in college. Uh, at the end of high school, I was unsure of what I wanted to do, but I had felt like, oh, maybe I'm going to do graphic design. Like I like art. That's actually what I had grown up really enjoying. But whenever I would tell people that towards the end of high school, like I didn't feel super convicted about it. It didn't feel like what I was supposed to do. 
but it was something I enjoyed. So I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. But I started off going to community college because like I said, I hadn't made up my mind with what I wanted to do. And then uh, my second year of community college, uh, we have this pastor who comes to our church back home in Rockford. Um, and after his messages, he uh, calls people out for like 15 to 20 minutes. He'll just go around the room uh, calling on people and prophesying over them. And so one Sunday night when I was 19 and didn't know anything, <laughs> he, uh, he pointed at me and asked me to stand up in the middle of a church service on a Sunday night and prophesied over me that I was supposed to be a doctor. And I like out loud laughed at him <laughs> in the middle of the service. Cause I was like, this is not on my radar. No one in my family's in the medical field. I know absolutely not. Uh, and then it's wild because over the course of the next six months, um, through various ways, God like completely confirmed that that's what I was supposed to pursue and do with my future. And that's how that came into my life. So I wasn't someone who always grew up knowing uh, that I wanted to go into medicine or that I was going to go into medicine. And honestly, knowing that this is what God has called me to do is one of the biggest things that gets me through it because it's it's definitely hard. You understand. <laughs> you do it now too. Residency isn't easy. And just like being in the medical field in general is not simple. And if I didn't have that anchor, uh, it would be way easier to like consider giving up. Um, so I'm really glad that I have that anchor for sure. That is so good. And let's just go to the next question because you talk about having, you know, the anchor of Jesus. So there's many interpretation what worship is. So I want to ask you, Colin, what does worship mean to you? Um, what does worship mean to me? <clears throat> um, um, yeah, so I... Obviously, since I'm like very involved in worship team, I do have a separate uh, love and affection for like musical worship um, and all that that is. But in my mind, worship is separate from prayer, separate from an expression of faith. In all those situations, you are in a position where you are asking something of God standing in a place where you're believing for something. But when we worship, we're setting aside our thoughts, needs, desires, and what we want. We tune all that out and we focus on God and declare that he is worthy. We say back to him how great he is, how wonderful he is. And um, at the very end of Psalms, Psalms uh, 150 verse six, um, David ends by saying, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And we're meant to focus our eyes back on God in times throughout our day. It's not just a once a week, twice a week thing. All day, every day, we're supposed to use our voice, our actions to glorify God and to turn everything back towards him, to give him honor, glory, praise. And so musical worship, yes, is something that I love because I like I play the piano. I like singing. 
But ultimately, worship is something that should be happening every day in our day-to-day lives and in everything that we do, and not always just verbal, but also in our actions, day-to-day in our jobs, even just while we're doing what we're doing, saying, God, I give this to you. God, this is for your glory. And just honoring the fact that he has given us our talents, um, every blessing in our life, all the above, and turning it back towards him. I don't know if everybody's listening, like calling us a great word. Congrats. Good, good job. <laughs> but how do we worship when the walls are closing in, Colin? How do we worship when we just burnt out to worship? Like, how do we just push through that wall in this worship God? That is a good question. And it is hard. <laughs> um, I would have to say over the past, like three years of finally being in like my career, after so many, too many years of school, um, it is like very easy to drown in your day-to-day life. And it is 100% for me a day-by-day decision. Um, You can't just rely upon like a moment here or a moment there or one day a week or like a designated time, like on a Monday or a church service. Um, You always have to keep the blessings that God has given you at the forefront of your mind. Um, It takes a lot of humility sometimes because it requires you to evaluate your life and see what God has given you that you didn't attain on your own. And you always have to keep it at the forefront of your mind. And that's why it's so difficult with us as we get older, have more and more responsibilities all these things that get added into our life are just putting up this wall. It veils everything. We can't really see the path before us because all these things are coming into our life. They're distractions. They're kind of stopping us, but we have the responsibility regardless of how difficult it is to part that veil and be able to keep our eyes focused on what God has done for us. Um, In Philippians, uh, Paul says, you know, I have not attained yet, but I keep my eyes on the upward calling. And we're supposed to keep our eyes focused on heaven. And that's the only real way that we're going to be able to maintain that connection with worship is if we always have that line of communication open. And like, I, I honestly don't know how to say this is the easy way to do that. But like, that's the mindset that we have to have to be able to do it. And I don't think it'll ever get easier uh, unless we make it a day-by-day, moment-by-moment discipline. That is so good because it's not easy, but it's simple. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like we have to wake up and decide that we're going to worship God. Because what I realized in my 32 years of living, I didn't claim a younger age, like, you know, some people, (laughs) (laughs) is worship has to be a decision. And if we were born and created to worship, so we're not worshiping God. We're going to worship something else or someone else. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you said like, it's a decision to not, you know, focus on ourselves, not to focus on our job or on our spouse, on our children. It's, it's our job to make the decision to focus on God himself. Yeah. Because sometimes like when we start to worship things that are not God, we get disappointed time and time again. But what I realize when I fix my eyes on Jesus and worship Jesus, he can't fail. Because it's just not his DNA to fail. But mm-hmm. if anyone else, any human being will like let us down. Absolutely. 
Anything you want to add? No, I think that's really good. Um, yeah, always keeping it at the forefront. And uh, I think it's also good what you said about like family, spouses, children, is that it's not just bad things that can be a distraction, but also the great blessings in our life can be a distraction as well to our worship to God. Um, sometimes it's easier when life feels awful and like it's physically pressing down on you to try to focus yourself on God. But also like what you said, if there are a lot of blessings that are abundant in our life. Uh, sometimes that can also distract us. And so we have to be wary and cautious that we're not letting anything break that connection and that, that focus on what God has done for us and um, our position in, you know, maintaining that open connection with worshiping him. That is so good. And I think it's in Romans chapter one, Paul was talking about how when, it, when the end comes, it's going to be people, instead of worshiping the creator, they start worshiping the creation. Yeah. And I see that with so many um, Christians that we start worshiping the blessing and we stop worshiping the blesser. Yeah. And then we just get in this vicious cycle that we don't come to God because he's worthy. We just come to God so we get another blessing. Mm -hmm. So I think we just have to make sure that we keep in our mind that like, no, we don't worship God for another blessing. We worship God because he's worthy of it. Like you said. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So next question is, as we stated before, you are a worship leader at City Church Chicago. So what are some responsibilities attached to being a worship leader um, spiritually and also logistically and stuff like that? Um, so I guess I'll say like logistic stuff first. Um, it's weird to hear the term worship leader, uh, at our church, we say that everyone who's on the stage up in front of people on a Sunday is a worship leader. Um, I know at some churches it's like, oh, the one person out front singing and leading everything is a worship leader, but we try to empower everyone to be in that position because ultimately we're all on the stage building a platform in which or on which the people in the congregation and God can connect. Um, uh, logistically, at least for what I do, and I think this is pretty prevalent across the board, is um, a lot of people don't realize all the uh, time and effort that goes into putting together what people see on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whatever. Um, you have lots of band members, singers. Some churches don't have a ton. Other churches have a lot. But regardless, you have to work with people's schedules for what rehearsals they can make it to, what services they can play at, and sending out communication, picking lists. Some churches like ours... Um, we all use in-ear monitors to be able to hear each other. And with those, we can uh, all play as a team to tracks that basically add a little bit of oomph behind the music that we're playing. And we can also hear like a click, um, keeping time and a guide in our ears that'll tell us that we're about to go into the verse or the chorus. And so making sure that all of that is set up um, just takes a lot of coordination between a lot of different people and making sure that um, everything's put together to like, I hate to say this word, but produce or tie up in a bow what happens on a Sunday morning. 
Um, and as far as the spiritual side goes, I think the worship leader has to be able to do all that. But a big thing is pastoring the team members. And, you know, there are multiple places in the Old Testament where it talks about how before this is kind of getting into like the overall topic, but um, the armies of Israel would be preceded by worshipers. They would go out before um, there was about to be a battle and they would sing. They were appointed to sing. And uh, in that position, when you're leading the forefront of an army, you better make sure that your heart is postured correctly. And that's hard to do for some people when they're battling with stuff, struggling with stuff. And it's very important that the worship leader is pastoring their um, their volunteers or the other people who are leading on the team and making sure that everyone is in a good place spiritually. And that <clears throat> if they're struggling, that you as a worship leader, you're helping them through that, that you're providing resources for them uh, so that they can work through whatever they're going through. And then ultimately bringing the whole team together to be on the same page spiritually. Um, <clears throat> whether or not that's as a team, like going through a book together, something that we do on our worship team as a team is that um, on Sunday mornings before service for like 20 ish minutes, we'll have a little Devo time and then pray Sometimes on Wednesday nights, uh, instead of rehearsal, we'll just take some time worshiping together. And it's a really good time for all of us outside of a church setting to be able to get on the same page spiritually. And the worship leader has to facilitate that. I mean, they're in charge of shepherding this team that ultimately like, happens in the Old Testament, basically leads... Uh, the army into battle and it's a it's like a, a sacred responsibility and it has to be uh you know taken with all seriousness for sure that is so good and let me point out the thing you said about everyone on the stage is a worship leader yes because you're leading them to worship yeah the piano player the drummer the bass player the people singing you're all leading the congregation into worship. So I love how that's the, that's the thought process behind it. Like everyone on that stage is a, is a worship leader. Mm -hmm. And to go to the next point, you talked about how um, it was in second Chronicles chapter 20 by King Jehoshaphat. Mm -hmm. He's a king. They were about to get, they're about to get jumped Colin. They're about to get ambushed, yeah. but he did three things, which is so important. And we don't do this sometimes. The first thing is they, they fasted, they prayed, and then they worshiped. Yeah. And then you see, as you're talking about, they led, into the battle in worship. And they said, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he's good and his mercy endures forever. And the Bible says that God sets an ambush on the enemies. Mm -hmm. And I just want to talk to someone right now. You waiting for God to do something. He's just waiting for you to worship so he can set an ambush on your enemies. Sometimes mm -hmm. your enemy is your inner me. So maybe you want to set an ambush on you so you can stop self-sabotaging it on yourself. So maybe you just got to let it go, whatever it is, let it go, lift your hands up and worship God. Because as I said, if you look at Second Chronicles, the only reason why they didn't even fight, they just took all the plunder. They didn't even fight. Mm -hmm. The only reason why they got that victory without even fighting was because they decided to worship before they even went to the battle, like you talked about, Colin. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So let's let's go let's go a little deeper about 
So leading worship is good for a congregation. How can a person lead worship for themselves? Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes they say, I need to be at church. I need to hear that um, Maverick City song. or I need to hear that Elevation Worship song, which I love those two bands. I love them. But what if we don't have anything? How do we lead ourselves in worship? So how can we be a worship leader to ourselves? Yeah, that's good. Um. Yeah, it's so easy to like default into like the worship service is my only source and like trying to rely on that. And then being able to turn on Spotify or something and listen to a song. So, yeah, that's good. How do you um, become a worship leader in and of yourself? And I think I was kind of saying a little bit earlier, but talking about how it's like that direct line where we're always focusing on um, giving adoration and glory back to God. And I know that for me, what I do sometimes is I sit down and I'll think through, I know this maybe sounds stupid to some people, but just sit down and take stock of all of the good things that I have in my life and all the things that despite my fear and despite, um, any of my anxiety, God is working through still. And, you know, I know that at some points in time for people, that's hard because it seems like nothing's going well for them. Um, in which case you can look behind at what God has done for you or go to the word and see the promises that God has given you for the future and look at all these and see how amazing it is what God does for us and then just glorify him. Um, like I said before, worship isn't just music and I think I take for granted the fact that like I have a keyboard and I can just sit down and like play for an hour if I want to, you know, not everyone is musically inclined. And ultimately, like when we're singing worship songs, what we're doing is we're taking something from the Bible and just declaring it with music behind it. And so if nothing else, the easiest and most direct thing to do is to open up your Bible and find something that speaks to you in the moment. And sometimes God will just put a verse into my head and I'm like, Oh, I need to go read this. And then you read it. It's like, Oh my goodness, this is very relevant for what I'm going through right now. And sometimes that doesn't always happen, but the Bible is full of promises that we can go look at, or even scriptures where it just talks about stories and these are things that we put into worship songs. And so if we open up our Bibles and we read through these things and declare them um, and just thank God for what he's showing through them, that can be our worship throughout the day. That is so good. And it, I may be mistaken, but I think all the Psalms, they're songs. Mm -hmm. Like the Psalm, they, there's a tune to it. We just don't know the tune. But if you read like the very beginning before, it's like to the tune of, to the tune of this yeah. or that. So like, I love how you said, like, if you don't have just read the Bible, just read and sing, make up your own tune. There's a whole book in there of songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I love how you said that. So to transition a little bit, we talked about, you know, how to be a worship leader for, you know, the church and how to be a worship leader for ourselves. So how do we ensure that we keep the worship about God and not about ourselves? That's really good. Um, I would say that, uh, I, I thought about this question from like a musician standpoint initially, 
um, because I, I'm a, someone who just appreciates excellence and wanting to do everything with the utmost that I'm able to perform, do, I want everything to be really good, sound nice. Um, but I mean, the simplest way to shed light on that is that's all putting a spotlight on me. It's putting a spotlight on my capabilities. And even if it's not highlighting um, like talent, it's highlighting my dedication or something. And ultimately something that I pray, which a lot of people say that others shouldn't pray this is I pray for humility in my life. I know everyone always says never pray for humility or patience because God will give it to you. But that's the point is that, um, you know, I, I pray for humility and in that God, you know, in moments when we get lost in ourselves and, um, we like start erring on the side of making it about us and not about God, then, you know, you have that moment where you whip around and you're like, oh, wait, this is not about me at all. In any sense, like even at any point in the story, it's, it's all about God and what he's done. It's not about me. None of this is about me and what I'm capable of doing. This is all about God. And I think something that I was thinking through earlier is I was dealing a lot um, at the beginning of last year, I didn't realize it at the time, but my identity for a while started getting built up as being a keys player. And that just felt like my position and identity. And um, when I realized that just one day, I just realized what had been going on. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is me making this about me. Like I'm no longer worshiping, um, for God. I mean, I, I was, but I didn't realize it subconsciously. I was making it my identity. And so in that sense, I had to recenter what my identity was, that my identity is in glorifying God and it's in Christ and not my own capabilities. And even if you think that what you're doing is worship, if it's been tainted by, um, something else for me, it was me finding my identity and doing it. But if it gets tainted in some way, um, that'll take our focus away again from what the ultimate point of worship is, which is giving glory to God. Um, I know that is kind of a specific example, but I think it can apply into other people's lives with situations in which they find themselves. No, that's really good because there's a lot of people who are dealing with like identity crisis because they think that they're their job or they're that position or they're that position of mom or dad. But they don't know before all that you're a daughter or son of, of God. Yeah. And once we lean into that identity, every other identity is like a supplement identity, but it mm -hmm. never trumps the identity of son or daughter of God because people will lose themselves thinking about like, OK, I did this. I did that. And then, like, if you look in the in the Bible, what Lucifer says, Satan, he's like, you know, I I, I can sing, I can do all this stuff, I have instruments in my body, so I'm going to ascend above God. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and then he tried to take the place of God. And that's the scary thing is when we start to worship ourselves, it's like little subtle things. Before we know, we're over the cliff saying like, now I am God. 
Like I can make this happen. I don't need to pray. I don't need to worship. I want people to worship me now. And that's what the scary thing is. It's like everything is subtle until it's not subtle anymore. Then you're like, what happened to this? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm so glad that you talked about, like you made a, you gave an example about like your life so people can be so relatable. Like maybe my identity is tied into this thing or because there's a lot of people that will probably worship, start worshiping their job. Because the identities in their job and they're like, oh, I'm that banker or I'm that real estate person or I'm that this, I'm that. No, you're a child of God and that's where you should lean in and everything else is because God decided to bless you. And that's why you should worship God for the blessing he has given you. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's just go a little deeper. I know we've been going deeper a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> so what if someone is because um, you talked about it from the musician standpoint. So what if like a person who's like a, a congregation member or like person who's like unchurched, but they still believe in Jesus, how do they make sure that they worship God and not worship themselves or worship people or worship other things that are not God? Good question. Um, I know you had mentioned the verse in Romans one, where it talks about people began to worship the creation and not the creator. Um, and no, I think that, plays right in line with this. Um, you know, when, when God is the most, so, so you're saying like even churched people, people who are completely inundated with their church life, even the people who are completely connected, they're going to church, but have lost sight of the, the focus of worship. Yeah. Because um, let me, let me um, give you an example. Cause I grew up in church. You grew up in church. There's yeah. so many people that will worship the system. Mm -hmm. There's so many people that will worship religion. There's so many people that will worship the rules and regulations and all these protocols, but they forgot to worship Jesus. Yeah. Um, maybe this sounds cynical and me being, being blunt, but, um, you know, what I thought when you're listing off those things is if you step back, you say, what have those things done for me? Um we're talking about how worship is glorifying God because he has done all these things for us, brought blessing into our life, victory in situations where, um, you know, we were having a difficult time. And if we get bogged down in the system and we get lost in all the things that you were talking about, the production of everything, how cool stuff is, um, even getting lost in like relationships, even though we're supposed to be in community, if all those things are distracting us, you have to step back and say, ultimately, and like the ultimate, um, if you play out this thought process completely, it's like, have any of these things brought me salvation? Have any of these things brought me my everlasting relationship with God? Like, no, none of, none of these things point me towards God. Yeah, they can help set up the a platform in which we can... Um, worship God, but they in and of themselves are not things to be worshiped. And so, like I said, that can kind of be cynical and, uh, maybe, um, difficult to, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like difficult to, it's like splitting hairs maybe, but I think ultimately I still stick by what I said. Like none of those things, um, can give you anything. None of those things can bless you in the way that God can. Um, and God is the one, like we said, who is the center of our worship. 
the one that we are supposed to always be in connection with and giving glory to. And it is easy to get distracted with the production of things, especially I would say when you are someone who is in church all the time or even is on the worship team, you get so sucked into what the culture might be at your church. It's very distracting. And then if there's a very set in stone way of doing things, um, people can kind of get like upset if things deviate from that norm. And when you start seeing people get upset when things don't go correctly, you know that they're worshiping the system, that they're worshiping the production of everything. They're worshiping um, the organization and they're not actually focused on worshiping God, the actual reason that we're doing all of this. And it is kind of wild that we can get to that point as Christians, but uh, it's so true. All those things can start slowly becoming distractions and we don't realize it until one of those things starts to break down and we get frustrated. It's like, oh, well, that we're not actually worshiping God then. We're worshiping something else that is ancillary to everything and ultimately doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. And uh, I, I would honestly say that's hard sometimes to um, avoid because kind of, like I said, sometimes it just creeps in slowly, like very slowly. And you just, like we said earlier, you just have to keep at the forefront of your mind who you're worshiping and what God has done for you and is doing through you. So you don't slowly slip into that because it's so easy to um, default into worshiping the system, um, worshiping things around you that you think are doing something for you uh, as far as like, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say things that you think are like blessing you that aren't really uh, because ultimately God is using the people around us to help bless us. But if you start worshiping those people and not the blessings that God is bringing through those people, then we've corrupted what worship is. And again, it's literally just a day by day, moment by moment, making sure that we're looking for God in the situation that we're stepping back and we're saying, where is God in the situation and how can I bring him glory and how does he deserve glory and honor? That is so good. And the reason I brought it up, cause I know you understand cause you grew up in the church mm-hmm. and I grew up in the church and there's so many people that would get upset. Like they want to be like, they start worshiping the title. They want to be a pastor bad. They, they never became pastor. They went to go start their own church. You know, God didn't call them to go become a pastor because they have it in their mind that being a pastor is fun. I don't know why they think that. Yeah, I don't okay, so, so I know all the stuff. Yeah, pastors, okay. God bless them for go starting a church that God didn't call them to start. But it's just like they start worshiping the title. They start worshiping like the system. It's like, okay, this is how we've always done it. This is how we're always going to do it. And this is how you know that it's someone's idol. When you start to tinkle with it a little bit and they get upset, that's you, you identify someone's idol right yes, there. Absolutely. So I think it's very important that we ensure that we worship 
God and God only. And mm-hmm. we're not saying that um, you should not be excellent. If all the secular music can be excellent, why can't God's music be excellent? We should strive mm-hmm. for excellence. All right. Yeah. But when that that when our striving takes over not worshiping God in the purest form. So I think that's the thing. And then also when we try to make it so perfect, we need, we leave no space for grace. Yeah. And I'm not saying just go out there and be trash. No, if you can't, if you're flat all the time, maybe you should not sing this song because you're flat, but <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, let's leave yeah. some space for grace. Yeah. And that, yeah, it's a really good point because I would have to say that, you know, we, despite us saying all this, there still is, like we said, excellence that, we should still pursue. Um, And through all the planning and coordination, you know, we have this idea of we have to go through these steps for everything to be perfect. Every note has to be amazing. Uh, Like you said, if this person's flat, maybe they shouldn't sing this song. Ultimately it's wild though, how many times the system falls apart on any given Sunday and something goes wrong. And then, you know, I'll feel like, things were rough after worship and then you go talk to someone and they say, Oh my gosh, worship was amazing today. Like God really spoke to me. And it's like, wait, what? Like everything that we tried to do just like completely crumbled and like people came late and our rehearsal was rough and we didn't get to go through every song and people were tired and all this stuff. And it's amazing how, like you said, God will still show up in those situations and, um, be glorified. And as long as we allow at least a little bit of space there, it, it's that connection of that moment that he needs to be able to come in and be glorified. That is so good. I have another question that is off the, off the cuff, but you know, when we try to serve on teams, Everyone wants to serve on a worship team. Can you give me preview? Y'all probably a very close connect team. Y'all connected. Y'all love each other. Why does every person want to serve on a worship team? Can you let me know what's the insight on that, Colin? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, everyone. I don't know if you know this, but your boy is a co-author of a seven-day devotional. My brother Brandon Austin and I released a devotional about transformation in your life. We believe that there's seven areas in your life that you must check in order to experience the transformative power of Jesus Christ. We have broken down these areas throughout the seven days of the devotional. You can purchase the book on Amazon for $4.99 for the Kindle version and $7.99 for the paperback version. The link is in the description box below. Thank y'all so much for your support. Now let's get back to Saturday Conversations. (laughs) These wild people. No, uh, I I don't know if it's because people want recognition or what they want their face to be seen. Um, and they they want to be in a um, in a team that they think matters, um, which I think is a very toxic thing to say, because uh, I feel like there are so many teams and ministries in the church like we're we're all part of the same body. I mean, Paul talks about how there's arms and feet and eyes and legs, and we're all serving the same purpose. But obviously, um, the worship team is on a stage, and everyone in the church is seeing that team. And some people f- 
probably feel like they don't get recognized in their position for some reason, or um, like if they're involved in cleaning up the auditorium or making coffee, they don't feel like they're being recognized and they're just unseen. And I think that's potentially why um, people want to be part of the worship team because they, they think they'll get seen, get recognized. And it's always funny to me because uh, I still have people come up to me all the time at, at church and say, Oh, so what team do you serve on? And uh, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Cause it's like, even if people think they'll be on the stage and people will recognize them and that they'll be like seen and appreciated, it's still like, um, no, it, it's not meant for the purpose of being seen and being front and center. And they're, you know, you're, you're not the reason that we're there. I'm not the reason we're all there. Ultimately God is. And despite that, I think people idolize being on stage and being seen is my understanding, my interpretation. <laughs> and that, that becomes scary because then we start worshiping the stage and not yeah. the savior, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I believe um, worship can ha happen anywhere. Like if you are holding out a stop sign, that's worship. Is this mm -hmm. your own type of worship? If you're greeting yeah. people at the door, that's your own type of worship. Like you said, making coffee, that's your own type of worship. Yeah. So I think people just need to get out of their mind. Like, Oh, like if you can't sing, don't 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 go on a worship team, all right? <laughs> exactly. Like if you can sing, maybe God wants you to start you off in the city kids and you sing to the kids and then he'll elevate you. But what I realize is that God will elevate when he wants to elevate. But as humans, we want to elevate ourselves and try to make all these connections. Like God, God's like, pump the brakes. Go hold a stop sign. Yeah. All right. <laughs> hey, go, 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 go feed some babies back there. Because like you said, every part is important. Yeah. Like we all have different parts. Some people are the fingers, some people are the eyes, some people are the ears. Like Paul says, just because the ear is not the eye, does the ear say like, I don't want to do this anymore? No. We all work together for the body of Christ. And it's our job not to get folks on us, but it's our job to set the table for Jesus so he can come in and do what he does best, which is restore, transform, and save people. Absolutely. So I know that was a the curveball, but I just wanted to know because you would never see me on the worst team. I know my strengths and my weaknesses. Like I did the um the spiritual gifts, like worship was like my lowest. <laughs> yeah, so nah, I, I know I know where my strengths are. I would support the worship team, but I would not grab a microphone and sing on the worship team. <laughs> so my next question to you is. In this world, with everything going on, comparison is a thing. So in, mm -hmm. the, in the past, I used to ask, like, how do you prevent comparison? But then I realized you don't prevent it. You just navigate it. So my next question to you is, how do you navigate comparison in regards to worship? From, like, the musician aspect and then from the individual aspect. But we can start with the musician aspect first. Yeah, for sure. So from a musician aspect, I actually think about this relatively frequently, which... I guess just makes it obvious that lots of people struggle with this. Um, I am always thinking, well, what if a better keys player comes? What if they can play faster or they can play more interesting stuff? And um, 
I think that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about identity. If your identity is in the way that you serve, then you'll be threatened by someone who might be able to do it better. But if your identity is not in how you're serving, then it won't threaten you. Um, I was thinking today about uh, Esther and how she completely no one, like absolutely no one, just randomly becomes uh, part of the king's household. Uh, well, not household, but one of the women that's being like groomed for the king and ultimately becomes the queen um, of King Az Azura. Is that, I, f I forget how to say his name, but anyways, this big kingdom. And ultimately God uses her in that position able to bring uh, salvation for the, the Jewish people in that time, because uh, they're about to all get slaughtered because of Haman uh, in that time. So all that to say, Esther was this no one who just all of a sudden had this purpose. And it's like, when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, what, like, so there's something that made her special for that. Is there something that made her more fit to do that? And it's like, actually, no, she was just, she was just there and God used her. And something that our pastor has come behind stage and said to us before, before worship services um, I've heard him say it a lot. He'll come back and point to each one of us and say, you are meant to be here. You have a purpose for being here right now. And I think I have the, um, I, I just keep that in my mind. And I, I know that even if there is someone else who could do this better, I know that God's asking me to do it right now. And as a musician, I think that's, uh, kind of freeing um, because yeah, ultimately I am not then finding my identity in how I serve in the way that I serve. Um, but I'm able to know God wants me to do this for right now. And if at some point in the future, I'm not the one doing this, then my identity is not wrapped up in the way that I serve. And I think that's really hard. We've touched on it a few times uh, and people ultimately want to be seen, but they end up finding their identity in the way that they serve. And um, yeah, that can lend itself um, to ide an identity crisis. Um, so you said as a musician first, <laughs> how that can uh, become an issue. Um, so comparison, I think in our day-to-day -day lives, um, as worshipers, like outside of being someone musical in a worship team. Um, I think it's still kind of along the same lines, uh, whatever our role is in our day-to-day -day lives um, and whatever anyone does, someone can always be better, do better. And ultimately when your focus is on worshiping God, giving him glory and you know that you're giving your best and you're doing everything that you can do with the gifts and the talents that he's given you, um, then you can feel satisfied in knowing that he's going to use that. He's going to take it and be able to do with it whatever he needs to. And um, I think a lot of it is just making sure we don't keep the focus on ourselves. When we focus on ourselves, then it's easy to compare. 
we don't focus on ourselves and comparison isn't an issue. Oh, that is, that is so good. And cause there's a lot of people that are like, Oh, I want to worship like this person. I want to worship like get, cause you always hear these videos and I don't know, maybe they don't have jobs, but they're like, I was in three hours and worship for the Lord. I'm like three hours. That is, that is amazing. Like, <laughs> and then I can easily compare myself like, man, three hours. I don't do three hours. I try to do you know, at least like 15 minutes, but sometimes that's a struggle. But yeah. I like how you how you say like just focus on yourself. Yeah. Be better than yesterday you. Don't try to be better than this person who's been in the faith for 47 years. Don't do that. Yeah. Be better than what you did. Oh, you only worshiped five minutes yesterday? Try to worship seven minutes today. You know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I think you hit it on the head about comparison as a musician and also as a person who's not a musician, but like I said, everyone is born to be a worshiper. Yeah. So stop trying to compare like, oh, well, Colin plays the piano. Well, maybe you're not supposed to clap your hands, you know? <laughs> Guess, exactly. Because some people's like, oh, I can't play the piano. You don't need to play the piano worship. Clap your hands. Mm-hmm. Raise the voice of triumph, you know? Exactly. So people just need to understand that like, yes, you may not be able to hit that note. Maybe God did not create you to hit that note. <laughs> <laughs> it's just worship in different ways, but always make sure you put your focus on Jesus while you worship. Yeah. Anything you want to add before we go to the next question? Uh, no, let's let's bring it. Next All right. Question. couple more questions. And I want to ask you this question pretty much from the like, the musician side. It's like, how do you continue to ensure that you're worshiping and not performing? Because, you know, some people, they have that gift and they can hit that note and they can have the goosebumps and all this other stuff. But it, it goes away from worshiping God and now they're just performing. Mm-hmm. For a, like a for a audience and not worshiping with a congre- a congregation. So how do you ensure that doesn't happen? Um, I would say again, I think that we slip into performance when the focus is on us and our capabilities. And it's funny because this gets more difficult to navigate sometimes the longer you've been doing it the longer that you've been on a worship team because eventually you like figure out what to do you know what to do you know like let's face it lots of worship songs are basically the same (laughs) and so you know how to play the lead lines and do all this stuff and so then as you progress through and you've been doing it longer then um you get used to knowing what to do and you try to like tweak it and make it better and all of a sudden, yeah, like, yes, these people are objectively great. Um, they're great at doing what they do. But you start to appreciate yourself. And you start to compare yourself to where you were when you started. And you think, oh, wow, I've gotten so much better. And I think there's a benefit to recognizing that, like, um like you've put an effort and you know, you're improving, but I think it becomes performance when your focus becomes yourself. And cause I can practice at home for a worship set and have my mind focused on the worship aspect of it. Um, but when, when people focus on themselves and their capabilities and their talents, which is difficult. Like I said, once people start getting better and better and that's when it becomes more difficult and um, 
yeah, people start to perform. I think the other, another big thing for me, um, which is is probably controversial to say in today's culture, but um, putting a like set time frame on each part of a worship service um, can sometimes make it a performance. And there are churches who like call services like experiences or productions or like they don't even call it a service or a time of worship. And the whole thing, like all day Sunday is made to be like a production. Um, and that just further makes people feel like they're performing. Uh, Cause it's like, you have this slot, you have these 15 minutes, 20 minutes to do worship. Um, and when you have that time to like fill up with like these songs, ABC and all the lead lines and all the solos in those songs, then it's a performance. Cause you're like, okay, well this is the duration of this song and this is what I play when, um, if we allow time between songs, after songs, around songs, for people to linger and worship leaders to f- have that moment. I think you mentioned earlier the, the space for God to have his moment in there. Then we can flow in ways that we weren't prepared for. And it's that spot for grace. It's like, okay, this is the way God's moving us right now. This isn't what we prepped for. And then everything goes away from performance. Cause it's like, we, we didn't prep for this. We didn't plan for this. And so now God's moving and we're going to follow And uh, that really takes it off of ourselves because um, it's like, we couldn't have planned for this. We couldn't have, you know, figured out what we were going to do in this, in this moment or this spot beforehand. Uh, But I would say overall, it's, it's definitely something that people have to make sure um, they're not slipping into. It's very easy to make it a performance. Like I said, the longer you've been doing it and the more used to it you are, the more it can just become a performance when people get, when people get comfortable and used to it, I would say can become a performance. That is so good. So my follow-up question is you said when people become comfortable and used to it, that's when it becomes a performance. So how, as a worshiper, how do we continue to stretch ourselves? How do we continue to go deeper in God so we don't ever get comfortable or used to it? So it does not become a performance. Yeah. So Let me make sure. So that's good. I'm just trying to think through like a a Sunday service and what I do (laughs) in the midst of that to make sure I'm not like focusing on myself or others. Um, I know one thing that I do, like this is just practically as a, as a musician, I like will open my eyes and specifically look out over the congregation and just like look at people and see how people are engaging. And if I look up and I see that people are just staring at us on the stage, I'm like, wait, hold up. What's happening here? Like, are, are we, are we performing or are we actually setting up an atmosphere where people can worship? And I mean, sometimes it's the end of a long week and it's a Sunday morning and people are tired and they're not going to look engaged no matter what you do. Um, but just being aware of 
your setting and your situation, uh, at least as a musician, not like closing your eyes and shutting yourself off and just like doing what you do and playing your notes and <clears throat> not paying attention to anything else, but opening your eyes, you're with a whole team and you're in front of a whole congregation. And when you open up your eyes and see your position within the room, within the worship team, um, and you realize, oh, I'm just a part of this. I, I'm not, I'm not the main thing. I'm not the headliner. Um, this isn't just about what I can do. And ultimately, um, again, you know, when I go into services, I always pray, God, let me make sure that everything that I'm doing is for you, about you, not focused on me. Because ultimately our, our job as a worship team is to facilitate a platform in which the people in the sanctuary can connect with God. Maybe in people's day-to-day -day lives, they don't know how to worship. I know we've been talking about that, but at the end of the day, when it comes to a Sunday, if that's the only time that they get where they know how to worship, then it's like we as the worship team need to set that stage to be able to do it. But in that case, we're just a conduit. Things are running through us. We're not, we're not the show. And so, um, yeah, I start off every service by praying like, God, I don't want this to be about me. I pray that this is all for your glory and use everything that I do to help draw people closer to you. Um, and yeah, I think, I think when we shut our minds off to everything around us and we just focus on what we're doing, that's when, um, it becomes performance. Our mind's not on worship anymore. It's just like getting lost in what you're doing. And sometimes it can look like you're worshiping, but you're actually just enjoying the fact that you're playing. You're enjoying the fact that you're singing. But making sure your mind and your heart are open to the fact that you're just being used by God for a purpose. And, and it's not just a space for you to play or for you to sing. That is so good. And I, I want <clears throat> Do not mishear what Colin's saying. He's not saying you don't need to prepare. You need to prepare. <laughs> our, the thing is, we prepare, and then our preparation is this plan B to what God wants to do. Yeah. If God is will aligns with our preparation, because, you know, there's people like, let the spirit move. Sometimes that's just dysfunctional. It's chaotic. We don't get out of church till like 5 p.m. Like, no, let, let us have a plan and let us go and prepare, but let our preparation, let our plans be plan B to what God wants to do. Yeah. So before we go to the last question, I have one more question. Okay. Um, Cause you, we talked about how when the Israelites were going up, they were afraid of battle, which means they'll be the first one to get attacked. <laughs> so as a worship leader, how does a person um, stay spiritually fit? Because I think it's still the same thing spiritual realm. You're leading people into worship. I'm pretty sure there's going to be spiritual attacks and the worship leaders will be the first one to get attacked if you look at the context of how it is in the Bible. So mm -hmm. how does a person stay spiritually fit as a worship leader? That's good. Um, <clears throat> as a worship leader, and this probably sounds uh, too on the nose, but you have to practice worship. Um it has like not not as your identity, like we've said, but 
you have to practice it. You have to live it out day in and day out. And um, I think that the best way to be spiritually fit in that is um, fostering fostering God's presence in your day-to-day life um, and knowing that in that setting when we're um, when we're setting the stage and opening up ourselves for God to bring his presence into our day-to-day lives, that's where he can move and have his power. And the only way to stay spiritually fit is having that, that connection with God. And I mean, what helps is, I mean, we have to know the word. We have to know what God has told us. Um, I know that we all hear God, we all hear from God, but ultimately knowing the word of God, we know that the word is true. We know that the word is 100% what God has spoken. And we talked about how worship can be us reading the word. And I think it's important for us to always have that running through our minds and running through our spirits. What God has said, um, I think that's very key to have the words of God on our heart and the words of God in our minds all throughout the day, day in and day out, um, more so than just the practice of worship. I think to stay spiritually fit, you have to know what God has said um, because ultimately then you are marginally closer to understanding God and his kingdom and the spirit in your life. Um I think that's important for us to be able to stay spiritually fit in our day-to-day lives and make sure that's not slipping. That is so good. So last question. I can't believe we're ready in the last question. Are you ready for this last question, Colin? I'm ready for the last question. All right. Last question is, why is it so important to make worship our weapon? Um. Yeah, so like we talked about before, worship as our weapon in the Bible is manifested through stories as the worshipers going in battle before armies. Um, and, you know, in my mind, that's that's always what I think of when I hear worship as a weapon. Uh, and like you pointed out um, in Second Chronicles, uh, the battle was won without the the soldiers even having to do anything they worshiped and then the ambushes were set against the enemy. Um, God did everything they worshiped and God came through in ways that they weren't expecting. And I think worship is a weapon in the sense that um, it can be very precise uh, in its, in its purpose and in its outcome. And what's wild is that, you know, God is, God is the one that directs that weapon. You know, we wield it. We, we are the ones who are worshiping, but God has his hands around ours and is directing that weapon. But it requires us to open ourselves up and initiate worship, start worshiping. And that is the small part that God allows us to play in the process. But ultimately, um, yeah, ultimately it is, um, 
yeah, I mean, worship as a weapon, I just believe it. It's, it's the thing that we always have to use in every situation in our lives when we're scared and we're afraid. It is the best thing that we can do to initiate victory in that situation. When you don't know anything else to do, when you don't know what to do, worship God. And this can bring victory in your life. This will usher in God to be able to bring victory in the situation. It's something that we can, I don't want to say rely on because it makes it sound like we're not relying on God, but we've been told that this is a, a weapon and the way in which God has won battles for his people before in his word and a way that we can now come to victory in our lives is through worship and giving him praise giving him glory and um yeah i believe that's the role that it plays we it's just something that we have to use that precedes every situation in our lives that is so good and if you look at um psalm 22 it says i believe psalm 22 yeah that god inhabits the praise of his people yeah. So when you start praising God in your situation, you start, you know, worshiping God in your situation, then you start to invite God into your situation because he happens to praise of his people. But sometimes we try to do everything without God until we're on our last resort. And then we're like, well, let me try. <laughs> let me try to ask God. Instead of us, instead of him being our last resort, God should be our first response. And yeah. worship should be our first response. Because like you said in the beginning, Colin, Worship is like, we don't worship worship. That's a whole different topic. Some people worship worship. No, we worship God. And when we worship God, we're like, God, I surrender this to you. I don't know what you're doing, but I need help. I yeah. already tried it. I made a bigger mess. So I, I, I take my hands off of it and I surrender to you. I worship I worship you. So yeah. I, I love how you, you said that. Because whatever we're going through, we can decide to worship. We can't decide to change the doctor's the doctor's diagnosis. We cannot decide to change the marriage that's on the brink of divorce. We cannot decide to change that the doctor said that we won't be able to have kids. We can't change any of that. What we can change is our position, our heart position to worship God and let God who changes all the rules, let him come into our situation and hopefully change the rules for us. Yeah, absolutely. So Colin, this has been fun. I didn't know we we're going to speak for over an hour, but we did. So, <laughs> so any last encouragement or advice or and advice to anyone listening or watching this? Uh, first, I just want to read something real quick that I was reading because I, um, through some of the stuff I was reading today, I was reading Psalm 22 as well. Um, I have the Jack Hayford and uh, New King James Version Study Bible. And so there's like all these notes all over the place um, that he has. And there is a note in here on Psalm 22, verse 3. Um, and I was just thinking about it uh, today as we were talking. Um, so I'm just going to read this real fast. Um, so obviously we're talking about uh, God inhabiting the praise of his people, like the verse talks about. Um, the presence of God's kingdom power is directly related to the practice of God's praise. The verb enthroned, he's enthroned in the praise of his people, indicates that wherever God's people exalt his name, he is ready to manifest his kingdom's power in the way most appropriate to the situation as his rule is invited to invade our setting. And so 
that was just very encouraging to me. I'm glad that you mentioned that verse because it's like when we praise, um, we use it as a weapon. Even if we don't know how to use it, God uses it the exact way that he knows it needs to be used and in the exact way. And so even if people don't know how to worship, if you position yourself into a place where you're just praising God, God will use it. He will use it the way that it needs to be used. If you don't even know how to use it, God will use it the way that he needs to. And we can be comforted in that is that, you know, as people, a lot of times we're ignorant and we don't know what we're doing. And if you just put yourself in that place of praise, God is there and he will use it the way that he needs to. That is so good. So Colin, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your wisdom. You know, you 28 year old wisdom, 30 year old numbers are numbers. Who cares? Your wisdom. Thanks for coming on for um, sharing the power of worship. But before we end episode 61 of Saturday Conversation, we want to get to know you a little bit better through a game called This or That. So I already kind of told you how it goes. I give you two options. If I give above three, I know you pretty well. If I give below three, I don't know you at all. But I should know you pretty well because, you know, we what drove two and a half hours. When I say we, you drove two and a half hours while I was in the passenger seat to events. And hopefully I got to know you a little bit better. So yeah. whenever you're ready, let me know. Okay, I'm ready. Let's All right. It. So between these two Bible characters, uh, which one would you pick, Moses or David? Moses. All right. So um, while you're off, would you rather take a nap or read a book? Nap. <laughs> okay. Um, inpatient or outpatient? Inpatient. Okay. Not outpatient. Look. <laughs> Gosh, the disgust. Right. <laughs> um, would you rather sing or play the piano? Play the piano. Okay. Um, type of food, burgers or pizza? Burgers. Okay. Awesome. I got three out of five. Okay. I thought you would pick singing because I thought I like you liked that. to sing, but I know you... Uh, well, it is what it is. And then I picked... <laughs> what I pick? Uh, David. But you, don't get me wrong. I love Moses. After, like... Like, Moses is my favorite character, you know, after Jesus. <laughs> Was David because he was like the worst? A, a psalmist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's my only reason. No, I I absolutely love the story of Moses. So mm -hmm. that was a curveball. No one could like guess that. <laughs> I love Moses too. And think about it. There's um, three people on that mountain of transfiguration. And Moses is one of them. Mm -hmm. And of everyone who lived, Moses is one of them. I'm like, Moses holds some weight. So I don't blame <laughs> you because I love Moses too. Yeah. So I got three. So this is in the middle. We're still going to hang out. We're still going <laughs> to get some burgers. You said burgers, right? Yeah, we're still going to get some burgers. Yeah, I said burgers. Yeah, good. <laughs> so thank you once again for coming on. Um, everyone who's come on Saturday Conversation, I asked them to pray, and they're willing to pray. So my question to you, are you willing to pray? I'm willing to pray. All right. All right, God, I thank you for bringing us here together for this time. I thank you that we could talk about worship and what it means in our lives and what it means to you. Um, and beyond just like the logistics and the production of it, um, I thank you that you can illuminate to each one of us daily what worship means uh, in our connection with you and our relationship with you. And that we would uh, just grow more and more every day in the knowledge that Ultimately, what we 
are created to do is praise you and bring you glory. And when we do that, you bring victory in our lives. You use that to make your name great, to bring glory to your kingdom. And I pray that you would use each one of us in that way. I thank you that we would bring worship um, and praise at our work, uh, in our workplace, at home, uh, at church, because in all those places, we never stop needing you more and more every day for every situation. And we know that when we praise and we worship at work, when we encounter a difficult situation, God, you will bring victory in a way that we may not anticipate or understand, but you bring victory when we give you glory and we turn ourselves and our hearts to you. And I just thank you that we would keep that at the forefront of our minds. We talked today about how it's a moment by moment decision to maintain worship in our lives. And I pray that you would have grace and help us to remember that God remind us day by day and moment by moment to glorify you and honor you. I pray that you would bring things to our remembrance to help us remember all that you have done for us and that you are amazing. You are the God of our lives. And I just pray that you would be with all of us. I thank you for the blessings that you bring um, you would keep everyone safe and we just glorify you day in and day out. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So let me pray for you. Then we end the conversation. I'm um, heavenly father. I thank you for your son. I thank you for how you're using him for your glory. I thank you for how you use him to build your kingdom. So I pray that you be with him. You got him. I pray for that. Um, every decision he's going to make that your Holy spirit will reveal to him, which decision he needs to make. I pray that your protection would um, be with them. I pray that your guidance will be with them. I pray that you're guarding from all evil in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you bless him. I pray that you bless his family in my name of Jesus Christ. I pray for his family who are, who's leading the church at Rockford. I pray that you give them strength and encouragement in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I specifically pray for Colin. Anytime he's feeling down, oh Lord, I ask you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you be the lifter of his head in my name of Jesus Christ. I pray that favor will be upon him. I pray that your kindness and mercy will shine upon him. And I pray whatever he does, oh Lord, let it be for your glory. And wherever he goes, let he let him walk in your goodness and your mercy in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. We give you the honor, glory, and thanksgiving. We say, blessed, blessed be your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Colin, thanks for coming on. Thank y'all for tuning in to episode 61 of Saturday Conversations. Colin, where can people find you? Uh, The easiest place to find me is on Instagram. (laughs) Uh, Colin underscore H, spelled (laughs) E-A-S-H. That is how you say it, H. H, E-A-S-H. It's going to be, it's ready on the screen. And then also I'll put it in the description box below. Once again, thank you, Colin, being a third-year resident. I know you don't have any time, really, but I'm pretty. <laughs> sure, I'm, I'm so glad that you made time for me to be on this conversation. I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so glad I met you February 2022. I knew about you from afar, but I'm glad we got to know each other. I'm glad to call you brother in Christ. And you know what I remember is like um, doing the events when um, Pastor Ken was doing the last day. <laughs> and he's like, no, Keith, stay up there. <laughs> <laughs> And then I had to grab you a chair. Yeah. <laughs> and then you were just playing. I'm like, man, that is faithfulness right there. You just kept playing. I'm like, goodness gracious. But hey, look, oh look, at, look at us now. Look at us now. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm so glad to know you. I'm so um, excited what God's doing in your life. I'm so um, expectant for what God's going to do in your life. I just want to let you know that the best is yet to come in your life in Jesus' mighty name. 
Awesome. Amen. All right. So everyone, join the conversation in the comment section below. Tell us what part of the conversation stood out to you. Don't forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, follow. Hit the notification bell and give us five stars. New conversations come out every Saturday. If you have any prayer requests, put in the comment section below. We love you. God bless you. And I'll see you next time.